Innovation Groove, dropping the needle into the innovation story. Okay, today I'm featuring War, All Day Music. You know War, it's a band that's famous mostly for Cisco Kid. Uh, the world is a ghetto, uh, you know. Why can't we be friends? All these great, uh, all these great songs. As is usually my practice, I try not to pull out the most obvious songs or obvious tracks from from these from these uh, artists. And so, all day music, I have to say, of all of those, is probably my favorite, and it's 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 the one I play the most. So I, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the 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 theme for the groove that we're having today is uh, virtual groove number three. And this is really thinking about augmented reality and its applications to business strategy. So for the first two grooves on this virtual reality, augmented reality topic, I've really been talking more about my motivations for getting into it and trying to learn about it, and also starting to understand the ecosystem uh, that's involved with it. And both of those especially the ecosystem, my knowledge of that is going to grow dramatically and continue to grow, and I'll continue to report back. But this is the first where I'm really kind of returning back to what my normal day job is, and that's really as a business professor that's focused mostly in uh, strategy, entrepreneurship, and innovation. Okay? So, uh, and so in thinking about all of this stuff, I look to sources that generally inform me, that inform me more generally about business strategy. And I saw something recently that told me that they were wrestling with this idea too. Uh, if you, uh, just kind of as a plug to my other uh, podcast, my other episodes, uh, within the management stream, I talk quite a bit about Michael Porter. Michael Porter is, you know, uh, one of the fathers, as we know it, in a, in a business school for business strategy. He has some of the most fundamental theories, the five forces, Porter's diamond, and the value chain, which we'll talk about today. Uh, and so I, and I, so, I, so I have separate episodes just on those three things, and I would ask you to listen to those. Uh, and, and you can find that underneath Strategy Grooving as a playlist. But today, there's going to, today I'm going to talk about uh, an article that he and one of his colleagues, Heppelman, wrote that relates specifically to augmented reality, which isn't the same as virtual reality, but it's a cousin, right? But yeah, and he says why every organization needs an augmented reality strategy. This is taken from the Harvard Business Review, the November-December edition of 2017. So this is pretty much fresh off the press. Uh, and, and so he talks about the, the importance of augmented reality, AR, and the capabilities there, the capabilities to visualize, to provide instruction, and ultimately to provide opportunities for interaction. So let's think about this. Kind of a, I, I'll, I'll use a, a fairly standard, or I, I would say probably a, a more general example of how this is probably or maybe happening in your lives right now. Think about a heads-up display within your car. Right or in a car that you know. If it's not in yours, you're probably familiar with the technology I'm talking about. Rather than looking down at the dash and having to um, uh, figure out, you know, what speed you're going. Right. What you have now is projected onto your the the inside of your window screen is while you're looking out at the street, 
your speed has been uh, superimposed. Superimposition is a key term for today, but your the, the 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 speed has been superimposed onto the reality, right? The street or the terrain in front of you, right? So, in this sense, augmented reality, right? That the that the projection is augmenting your view of reality, right? The visualization aspect of this is major, okay? And and through visualization uh, capabilities that AR has, you can also provide instructions and guidance. I know on my car, you know, the uh, the actual uh, navigation function also has its part within this visualization. So rather than me having to look back and forth uh, at the navigation and then figure that's showing basically a dot on a map and then having to figure out how that dot on the map translates to the reality that I'm looking at. Something that uh, Porter and Heppelman say, it's really kind of a fundamental problem is that normally we're used as human beings, we're used to having to take what's presented to us in two degrees or, or two, uh, um, two dimensions, right? The kind of the flat display that's the navigation or a map or something to that. But that's something that's coming at me in two dimensions and I'm having to project it out and try to understand it in a three-dimensional world. And that that in and of itself is a fundamental intellectual issue and really a problem that augmented reality stands more than anything else, but really stands to help solve for us, right? Because it has its ability through its visualization to, to, to give you a three-dimensional map, right? To lay a three-dimensional map onto reality, which is also three-dimensional. So the, so, so the dimensions are matching up, not having to translate two-dimensional information into a three-dimensional terrain. This is key. That's very key when we talk about the power and the potential for augmented reality, right? It's capability to do that, to operate three-dimensionals to three-dimensionals, right? And then there's the interaction that comes along with that too, right? So this, and, and so as kind of a fundamental problem that Porter and Heppelman pull out in this article is that the digital, revo the digital revolution that we're a part of and that they've written about in, in, you know previously that deals with smart machines, all these sensors that we have, the Internet of Things, where there's a social life of things, right, where they're communicating with each other, updating each other, controlling each other without human interaction. They have their own life. Uh, but we then benefit from the substantial amount of information and data that comes from those interactions. Okay? So the digital revolution provides tons of data, way more. This is why we use the term big data so much, right? But we need to assimilate all that data. Right? That's the problem. <laughs> we have so much data and it's we don't have a lot of methods for assimilating that data, making it useful in our daily lives. And for Porter and Heppelman, augmented reality is the most promising solution to that problem. Okay? That's really kind of the thesis to, this, to, to, the, to their paper. But also, I think uh, the motivation for them kind of promoting this idea that every organization, no matter what your value chain is, needs to think about how augmented reality is going to affect it. And, frankly, how, how an organization can take a proactive stance towards, uh, towards uh, incorporating 
augmented reality into their value chain. Okay? Um, so examples of, uh, of, of value chain or examples of augmented reality in the value chain, in the paper they give a few. Let me just take just a second. Now, once again, underneath my playlist, Strategy Groovin', I give uh, a, a, an entire episode on the value chain. But just very quickly, I want to make sure people listening to this understand what I'm talking about. The value chain is really fundamentally the, the, the uh, clusters, the uh, buckets of activities that your organization is involved in on a day-to-day basis. Okay? And it's through these act- activities that you add value right, to, what, to, to, whatever res- to whatever resources, whatever materials that you're, that you're working on. Right? That's why it's called the value chain. It's the chain of activities through which you add value to your raw materials or to, to whatever unrefined materials come into your organization, however one would define that. Okay? And those buckets of activities are generally thought of on the primary level and on the secondary level. You have uh, on the secondary level, I'll start there, you'll have things like uh, human resources, right? the kinds of activities one would do when they're thinking about recruiting, ultimately hiring, Managing, you think about the annual reviews, these sorts of things, and uh, exiting, right? Uh, getting rid of employees at the at the end or sooner than the end of their uh, 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 of their contract, right? And how one would structure that. There's activities involved in all of that, and there's people that are involved in de- in delivering those activities, okay? But uh, and then on the primary level, you would have things like product development manufacturing, inbound and outbound logistics, marketing and sales, right? That these are things that are directly related to the product or service, right? That your, that your organization uh, primarily uh, delivers to the market uh, for and, 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 and serves the market for its margin, right? So that's one of the reasons why this thought of is primary versus secondary. HR is more of an overhead, something we think about more as overhead, whereas manufacturing is directly working on that product or service. Now, augmented reality can touch all of these. And in the article itself, he kind of, uh, these authors, Porter and Heppelman, kind of goes through a wide variety. I'll go through just a few. But in thinking about product development, right, that there's a way that augmented reality can come in. And for prototyping and things like this, being able to superimpose images, right, onto materials uh, and onto, uh, uh, and, and also superimpose models, and images of models onto an actual prototype can allow one to catch errors, right? And it helps with the design process uh, and lowers the risk, right? So the superimposition piece is really important. Uh, augmented reality in marketing and sales, right? This is something uh, that, say, for example, IKEA and Wayfair, as they use as examples in the reading, are using to allow, say, a potential customer to visualize what a sofa uh, looks like in their own living room before they actually buy it, right? That the, the augmented reality allows them to do that. Uh, and to the extent that they like what they see, that makes it easier for them to commit to the sale, right? So that's a way that it's already being used by very large companies like uh, IKEA uh, and also uh, Wayfair. And just as another example, HR. So HR being a secondary um, 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 
uh, value activity, right? But still, the training aspect, right? The instruction and training and guiding aspect uh, that one wearing, uh, you know, once again, wearing some, um, say, goggles or some sort of headset can look through uh, and be guided in whatever task that they're doing in real time with real information, right? While they're actually within the, uh, uh, while well, they're actually conducting the activity itself. It's not a matter, once again, of going back and reading two-dimensional manuals and training materials and then going and translating in your mind on how that makes sense within this three-dimensional world where you've got an engine sitting in front of you. This is something, going back to superimposition again, where one can actually provide that instruction as an overlay onto, um, uh, during the activities that are at, that are at point. So HR becomes, uh, and I think one of the one of the things they say is HR uh, and uh, let's say the, the the instruction aspect, the visualization aspects. These are the fairly fairly actually mature aspects of eight of uh, augmented reality. That this kind of the the use of augmented reality in those settings, in large corporations, in uh, defense industries and governments. That's actually being, actually being, have been used for a while, right? But it's the more interaction uh, levels of it that are, that's still fairly new. And, and I'll say the interaction aspect actually bleeds over into virtual reality. So this whole reading was about augmented reality. What I've been really kind of working on is virtual reality, or at least working to understand. Uh, and virtual re- and, and so there's the mixed reality in between that. But virtual reality allows kind of a fourth thing beyond visualization, instruction and guidance, interaction. It allows for simulation, right? And, 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 and the authors believe like the virtual reality for business context is actually further away than augmented reality would be, right? As far as what it's, as far, to, as, far as a generalized use across the value chain. Right versus very specialized uses, but the simulation. The thing about VR is, you know, it's fully immersive, and so uh, when it does, when you can get it involved, it it it, it can it can be one of the most powerful experience and reinforcements that you can have uh, on certain ideas, you know, that might be happening in training or marketing and sales or product development. Right, so VR can potentially aid in all of these things. Right, but as far as the training and the visualization, that's actually fairly mature. Okay, and so uh, just the last couple things I'll cover. So we talked about that there's the, the basic capabilities of AR: visualization, instruction, interaction. Right, that part of the problem is you know this this two-dimensional to three-dimensional piece, having all this and then having all this information and needing something. Right? This is the mediation, needing something that 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 best presents that information to us so that we can use it in reality, okay? And augmented reality, these authors uh, believe is going to be the best, is the most promising solution for that, for that problem. Uh, we've talked about examples of, uh, of augmented reality in product development, marketing and sales and HR, uh, but just in general, aug- uh, if, if we just move into, a, say, a strategy, a business strategy frame altogether, not so much talking as much about augmented reality, but more about business strategy. So if we think about augmented reality and strategy, we, where we probably want to think about that is 
on, on our choices of generic strategy. Now, I talk about generic strategy in, uh, in several of my strategy podcasts, but it's really, it's really kind of an overriding, I would say an overriding philosophy, an overriding value, right? Uh, chosen by the top management team, by the leadership, right? That needs to trickle down into all of the different activities that either that the companies for the most part are either choosing to be product differentiators and then they organize their activities so that they can produce differentiated products, right? This is, you know, this is generally going to mean that they're going to spend a lot more on research and development. They're going to bring in the best and the rarest and the highest performance raw materials. They won't use copper. They might use platinum instead. Right, that it's they're looking to to produce the differentiated product, right? The product that's going to perform competitively at the top end and then attract those leading edge customers. Okay, that's a product differentiation strategy, or cost leadership. That the way the company ultimately is going to win is by producing a good amount, satisfying the customer, satisficing the customer even. I give them just enough so that they're satisfied. Right, but they're really managing at the cost level and augmented. So th those are your choices of generic strategy, product differentiation or cost leadership, and augmented reality will affect both of those. Okay, will affect both of those. Uh, the precision that you can imagine that it can help to produce on the differentiation side. Right, and even trying to use augmented reality within the product itself. So if you've got a car that actually has um, a heads-up display on it, there's an example of using the technology itself to differentiate your prod product from those that you would be competing with that don't have the heads-up display and that don't do the don't tell you the distance and don't help you with the parking distance and all the cool things now that cars do, right? That they're borrowing kind of from the automation uh, industry, right? But are they doing all these cool things? And their product, so those products are being differentiated by using augmented reality. I just want to also make sure that, but in the value chain and how you produce those products and services, there's also opportunities, and probably even bigger opportunities to differentiate or to, to, or to save costs based on AR2, which may not show up at all in what the final product looks like. <laughs> it might not have a heads-up display at all, but augmented reality might have had something to do with how the engine was put together or how the safety inspection was done or how the engineers who worked on the car were hired and trained. Okay, so, you're, so, and so it has to be clear here that you're thinking on both on the differentiation side and the cost leadership side. You have to ask yourself, What's the, what are the opportunities to utilize and even package augmented reality? The other choice that they talk about I think is very interesting is, are we going to make augmented reality a core competency of the company? Right, so I think that at this early stage, and maybe that's why, you know, say in November, December, where they're, where they're kind of coming out and saying every organization needs an AR strategy, right? One, they're pointing out that every organization doesn't have one, right? Otherwise, this article wouldn't be needed. But I think what, what one of the things they're trying to do is trying to, to, trying to push out this message that people have to make a choice on how they're going to play the AR game. 
The augmented reality is here, so companies have to decide how they're going to play that game. Are they going to play that game by developing with, by, by let's say, baking lots of different opportunities to utilize augmented re reality into their value chain so that it becomes a part of the core competency of the firm itself? Like the way that they hire people is augmented reality intensive. Right? Is it going to be baked in like that? Or is augmented reality going to be something that they outsource? Right? That it's going to be fine for them to just have a strong partner, whether it be a university or a small startup who specializes in a particular usage, like uh, um, producing training, uh, producing augmented reality training experiences. You know, and doing that in a bespoke way for different companies, whether you be a university or whether you be a manufacturing plant, right? But that there's some company that you're going to just use, maybe even as a vendor, that's going to handle that for you versus actually having, say, a corporate learning center that's using augmented reality in-house. And then that becomes your thing, right? So, so, having to, so in a lot of sense, it's like, are you deciding to have it to acknowledge the importance of augmented reality, but keep it at arm's length? Or are you going to be one of those leading, cutting-edge, avant-garde companies that's going to use it inside and use it to innovate right, your value chain and make it one of your core competencies that could then actually be one of your distinctive competencies, right? the thing you really rely on to give you competitive advantage? And depending on what industry you're in, you might be able to rely on it all for a long time. You might be able to exploit whatever extra value you can give back to your stakeholders, customers, employees, the community, shareholders, whoever. Right? You can count that a lot of different ways, but whatever advantages, you might be able to exploit that for a long time if you're an early adopter of this into your value chain. I think it, my, my, my sense is this is really where Porter and Heppelman are trying to push. right? Um, and so, so there should be this strategy or want to have to decide whether you're a product differentiation, and that'll be one type of use of AR or your cost leader, and there might be other ways, other motivations for using AR, you're going to have to decide how you're going to use it and whether you're going to use it in a way that's going to make it yours, that's going to be a, a basis for your competitive advantage. Okay? Uh, and then finally, I would say here, which is closely related to this, they talked about deploying AR, which really is just the other side of this, this the, the questions we've been talking about, uh, which is, so if you're going to, um, if you're going to bring it in, or if you're going to, if you're going to play in the augmented reality game, what resources are going to be required for you to do it the way that you've decided to get it done, whether it's product differentiation or cost leadership, whether it's arm's length, right? Or whether it's in-house, what resources are required on the hardware and software side for you to do it? And then the final question is, and then what are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to create content? That becomes a really big question. Is this really about, is this really as a firm going to be about you disseminating AR content uh, and capabilities that are developed outside of the firm? Or is this really about not only developing capabilities right, to produce AR or AR experiences, but the creation of content in and of itself, right? That could be proprietary. That could be a part of 
part of your training. So this would be a case where you're developing your own curriculum for training and you're using AR to do it. And you bought all the equipment, got the engineers, you got the folks in-house to do it. You're a building, it's a build strategy versus just relying on somebody else who's going to give you the opportunity to, to kind of make you do your corporate learning with this. But they're also offering that to everybody else in the industry Right. And odds are whatever they're offering you is not even if it's bespoke, I mean, they'll put your brand on it. It might not be all that custom. It might not really exploit the opportunities that are available and deal with all the challenges that are unique to your firm's context. But this is and they say this over and over again. This is a big expense. Right. This is a big expense. So if I speak more generally uh, the there is kind of the general question of like why doesn't why haven't all of the MBA programs uh, adopted some virtual reality augmented reality strat strategy you know why aren't every why isn't every educational institution is it why aren't all the financial institutions doing it there's evidence of of important companies doing small experiments small scale experiments so that's happening right but why isn't this being adopted and the cost is huge. That's part of what it means to be in the early end of this, right? Is that the costs involved with this are huge, though every generation, of course, the cost is going down. You see that already in the in the headsets, uh, and you see that in the laptops and the computers. You see the costs are, go are going down generation generation, and a generation could be a, a year, frankly, right? <laughs> but the costs are going down, but when you start trying to normalize it, Right, doing as I think about this, am I am I planning on, or how am I going to deal with the fact that all of my um, students, for them to, for me to teach this stuff or use this stuff, I got to find out a way to give them the capability to interact with it, which means headsets, which means software, which means instructions on how to use all that stuff, and so. The call, and then what also means changing people's minds, right? <laughs> That's a big part of it. It's psychological. There's a way that organizations uh, uh, do things. They, they have norms set on the way that they do things and getting them to change their practice, getting them to change the way that they do their activities. That's no easy thing, right? And it's a very political thing. And so, um, and so we are standing, I think, at the, at the, at the beginning of, of something big. And I think that the authors do a good job at stressing that and making it clear that it's not going to be easy. But I also think, and I think this is the most important piece, and what I leave you with is, but they also make clear that they think this is going to pay off, that whatever those efforts are, are going to pay off in a very big way. I would say probably particularly, it's already paying off for the early adopters. It's already paying off for the overall that they've seen enough, and they give tons of examples in the in the reading. So I, you know, I would I would I would steer everybody to actually read the article. They give tons of examples of how this is already paying off for for corporations, right? So that there's a lot of value in the exercise of thinking through how augmented reality would work for your organization and where in your value chain, whether it be at HR, marketing and sales, after sales uh, service. A uh, uh, manufacturing, you know, where in your in your value chain could you probably onboard it first and the easiest, right? That's the entrepreneurial opportunity that might be out there, and I, and and I, I I'm thinking about that quite a bit, even in my own line of work, and so I, I hope I hope I'm spurring you to do that too, uh, and so thanks 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 for listening to to this 
particular groove that's that really is kind of getting back to my roots as a business professor, uh, talking a bit more and reinforcing some points on what the value chain is, about uh, strategy more generally, generic strategy, thinking about core competencies, distinctive competencies, competitive advantage, right? All of those are all of those now uh, are concepts that are coming back as I think about and haunting me as I think about why it's important for a business professor to be taking their time to learn a bit and as much as he can in a short period of time on virtual reality. And in this particular case, augmented reality. And with that, I give you back to war all day music.
Innovation Club, dropping the needle into the innovation story.